This is IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. I'm your host, Lee Llewellyn. Mitch Landis is the Vice President of Innovation and Digital Transformation at Conexus Indiana. Uh, He joined Conexus in April 2019, and he assists with research and development of Conexus Industry 4.0 initiative. Uh, The the Industry 4.0 initiative is focused on ensuring advanced manufacturing and logistics companies are adopting technologies that will drive their growth in the future. Uh, He joins Conexus Indiana after 17 years at Rose Holman Ventures, which is where I first met Mitch. Uh, There he served as the Director of Business Development and Operations and oversaw the expanding uh, Rose Holman Ventures operating model. Uh, Before joining Rose Holman Ventures, Mitch was a Senior Control and Process Optimization Engineer for Wabash River Energy and he holds a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in electrical engineering from, of all places, Rose Holman Institute of Technology. So he's joining me today to talk about a partnership between Conexus and the Indiana Economic Development Corporation to offer manufacturing readiness grants to incentivize manufacturing companies to uh, adopt 4.0 technologies. So, Mitch, thank you for joining me today. Thanks so much for inviting me to be a guest today, Lee. I appreciate it. All right. And so let's start with uh, an explanation of the 4.0 technologies. Uh, What are they and why should manufacturers care? Sure. So the thing to focus on, let's let's dive into what 4.0 means. We, We all learned about the Industrial Revolution in school, and most of us, have in mind that it was kind of a stage of progress for the world that that we went through a couple hundred years ago. But when you look at it more closely, uh, things kind of progressed in in waves. And there's been three broad waves, uh, so to speak, up until now. They've all been advancements in the way we make things, move things, and communicate ideas. Uh, They've tended to be enabled and driven by collections of technology. So 1.0 was steam and railroads that allowed us uh, to use simple machines to replace animals and some human labor. 2.0 kind of centered around uh, the move from steam to electricity and, of course, the automobile and Henry Ford style mass production, telephone, all of that. 3.0, you really get into post-World War II semiconductors that enable computation and we got industrial control systems, advanced materials, email, internet, web technologies, and of course, mobile devices that connect everybody everywhere. Uh, So now we're at the cusp of 4.0, which sometimes is referred to as smart manufacturing. It's an entirely new basket of technology. It's a bigger basket. Uh, It's just starting to revolutionize how we make and move products. Uh, The tech has recently matured to commercial stage. It's now starting to be deployed in manufacturing and logistics. And some of the examples are you've got advanced sensors that monitor, collect information from production systems. We've got industrial Internet of Things uh, to connect production machines. Cloud computing makes data accessible anywhere. Big data analytics to interpret, extract value. Uh, Machine learning, artificial intelligence. These are 
things that, that help you find patterns that humans uh, can't easily see in data. And of course, cybersecurity keeps it all safe. When you get to the production side of things, cobots, which are collaborative robots, uh, they work closely in direct contact with humans. Additive manufacturing or 3D printing, it's uh, as it's sometimes called, allows you to push the design envelope of what can be produced. Uh, digital twin, advanced modeling, bunch of simulation uh, capabilities that are out there that allow you to do things in a virtual environment before you make costly, time-consuming physical changes in a plant. Uh, autonomous mobile robots will move materials around facilities. And of course, you got augmented virtual mixed reality systems for there's a bunch of use cases for those from training to uh, sales to on demand technical information for technicians doing things in the field. 5G's coming at us from the new communication uh, uh, networks. Uh, blockchain starts to slip into some of this with distributed ledger that for traceability of parts and components and understanding supply chain. So the, the, the basket of tech, it's it's bigger this time, it's much more powerful. And so the expectation is that the impact is gonna be huge. So where are we? And, and I had heard about, that's right. There was, there was uh, I think uh, the book, I think from one of the books from Alvin Toffler a million years ago was called The Third Wave. Uh, and so uh, I appreciate you talking about the waves. I, I recognize that as part of at least uh, futuristic, uh, the futurists that were talking about all this stuff did talk about those technology waves. Where are we in the process of the, then the implementation, the uh, adoption of this fourth wave or the 4.0? I, I, I think we're in early stages. The term industry 4.0 was really coined by uh, German economists about a decade ago. So it's, it's still fairly new in terms of concept. Um, and all of these technologies I just listed, you've heard of them, you know about them. It, most folks walking around, we, we've been exposed to them, but they have seemed futuristic, but they're starting to be here. They're starting to be real. And um, different companies are in different points of adoption, which is some of the reason uh, why we want to lean into this right now. Okay. So leaning into it is this partnership between Conexus and IEDC. So how did that come about? And uh, what's the goal of the collaboration? Yeah. So Conexus and Indiana Economic Development Corporation, IEDC, we've had a great collaborative working relationship it goes back many years. So, so I won't go all the way back to the beginning. Uh, they support our work, which complements their mission. That work is to accelerate, promote, grow Indiana's advanced manufacturing logistics sectors. We do that through strategic initiatives that we design, develop, and implement to serve Indiana's interests, uh, which includes ins ensuring long-term success of these very important sectors that represent probably about a third of Indiana's GDP. And we're successful because we cultivate relationships and facilitate collaboration between industry. We always like to say we're industry-led, uh, but collaboration between industry, academia, and government. Uh, and, and one of our collaborative efforts in 2020 was to help Indiana take pretty bold, innovative step with the launch of these manufacturing readiness grants, which is the topic of today. Okay, so let's start then with 
just a very general overview of the manufacturing readiness grants. We're going to talk about specifics as we get further into the podcast. Uh, but you know, what's the point? What's the goal? What are you trying to do with these grants? Yeah, so it, it is a grant program. Uh, the grants are funded by the state through the IEDC and Conexus operates the program. Originally, the program was launched in response to the global COVID-19 pandemic. The goal was to help companies modernize operations, integrate these industry 4.0 technologies. And at the time it was launched, the funding could also be used to invest in healthcare manufacturing, right? To secure local sources of personal protective gear, things like masks and sanitizer and gowns and other materials that were in short supply as the pandemic unfolded. Today, the program's mostly focused on providing funding to companies investing capital uh, for the adoption of these smart manufacturing technologies. So when it was launched just over a year ago, we intended to deploy about $4 million in grants to support at least $8 million of tech-enabled capital investments. But by the end of 2020, just six months into the program, uh, more than $6 million in grants were announced and the grants were supporting over $50 million of tech-based projects. More than 85 companies were taking advantage of it uh, or were, were successfully uh, they secured a grant that we covered 39 of the 92 counties. Uh, those companies stepped up to make serious capital investment during a very uncertain time. And so in that sense, it's been a tremendous success, uh, enough so that Governor Holcomb announced its expansion as a priority. And ultimately, the state legislature approved $20 million uh, to it to, to support it for the two-year budget cycle that began July 1st. And so simply put, the, the grant exists to accelerate digital transformation through adoption of Industry 4.0 technologies. We're looking for tech intensive projects that are part of a digital manufacturing journey. Uh, we're inviting and enabling manufacturers to take a transformative step for their operation that's beyond the status quo, right? Something innovative and differentiating. And the whole point is that we want Indiana, which is the most manufacturing intense state in the U.S., to lead the way in Industry 4.0 to secure competitive advantage over global peers. So you've said manufacturing companies, but I assume that there are some other criteria in terms of uh, what kinds of companies or what size of companies uh, are eligible for the grants. So talk about eligibility for the grants. Yeah, so the, the applicant uh, needs to be a manufacturer. Uh, they need to be planning to make capital investment in the form of, of these, these manufacturing technologies in their Indiana operations. And while there's no hard size limitation, we, we've not set a, a hard cap on the size of companies that can apply for this. I'll tell you that small and medium manufacturers, those with less than 500 employees, they're heavily favored in the process. We, we know from our own research that Indiana-based firms, they're at various stages along digital adoption journey. We were just kind of talking about that a little bit. Uh, the, the larger ones are much 
farther along and are already dedicating considerable resources to industry 4.0. The smaller ones are that they, they often encounter barriers or they simply don't have the bandwidth or the budgets to adopt these new technologies. And, and many of them have a long history, right? They've been here 25, 50, even 100 plus years. And so that implies that they're strong, they're resilient, they've worked through periods of innovation in the past, but they might be wrestling with some legacy equipment that's challenging to integrate with this newer tech. And, and so we view it, it's critical that these small manufacturers, they lean into technology at this time, not only for their own sake, but also for the resiliency of the supply chains that they participate in, because they're often critical suppliers to the larger manufacturers. So what we're trying to prevent is a digital divide from forming where the small shops are left behind, right? They, they've been the backbone of Indiana manufacturing for many decades, and we need to encourage them to make the tech investments uh, to thrive going forward. Well, you talked about, though, uh, 500 employees or, or less being perhaps the most often that, that receive the grants or that apply. But that's still a pretty high level. I mean, I know that the, the Small Business Administration often thinks of 500 or less as a small business. But does this really apply then to a shop that may be 100 or, uh, or, a fi- or 50 employees? Yeah, I would say we have reviewed, first of all, we, we've gotten hundreds of applications for this program. There's strong demand for it out there. And I've not gone back to do a distribution curve or anything to, yet. I haven't done a distribution curve yet to see demographic. Uh, but I would say most of the applications we review are 50, 100 to 200 employees, uh, so that seems to probably be the sweet spot of the folks who are applying. Well, that's good to know because I think I wanted to make sure, you know, if people heard 500, whether or not, then does that extend all the way down to the really smaller companies? Um, uh, and you know, that there's not, is there a floor on the eligibility? No, uh, we've, we look at applications that have a few employees, uh, you know, there's sometimes we get applications for three, four, five employees. Now we take a look at those because those are a little bit of an outlier and you start to wonder how much technology they're going to put into a manufacturing process. The thing is, we, we, our expectation for what a company should be doing is proportional to kind of who they are and what they're doing. We want to see them, see them push themselves uh, out of their their comfort zone, and so it might be difficult for a four or five person shop to get a two hundred thousand dollar grant, but we might be supportive with something that that's a little smaller. Okay, so in a minute, I want to talk about how they apply, but let's go back again. You went through a lot of different kinds of technologies, but but let's talk again about you know what is it that of the grants that you've done thus far. What are some examples of the kind of technology or the, the, the kind of uh, potential that you're trying to instill in these companies through these grants? Yeah, so we're, we're seeing a lot of, let me give you a couple specifics, but I don't yeah. want to talk in, in general here. So we are seeing a lot of interest in cobots, right? And if you're not familiar, you know, we're all familiar with robots. 
Cobots are collaborative robots. They have a lot of safety features to them so that a human can directly interface. You don't have to wall them off and keep them in a separate area. And the cost of those things have come down. Uh, so we're seeing a lot of folks uh, interested in Cobots and, and exploring their first Cobot application, a lot of times to tend parts in and out of other machines, right? Instead of having an operator stand there to put it apart in, let the machine do its business and then take the part out, they'll use a Cobot for something like that. Uh, we're seeing some additive manufacturing, although uh, 3D printing, although we're trying to push the threshold up for what qualifies. These days, a lot of people are investing in additive for prototyping, and we want to see them push further into production of actual production parts. So those are things. Uh, what we really like to see is a lot of digital data type projects. Um, if, if somebody's, you know, they're, they're connecting their machine to some data backbone, data infrastructure, and they're using data analytics to look at what I would call a digital plant type of initiative. Uh, so some of the, those are th the things that we're, we're seeing. It's been a wide spectrum so far, uh, pretty much anything that can credibly rela be related to Industry 4.0, that example list I, I shared with you, that's fair game. We're not being overly prescriptive about specific pieces of equipment we want them to invest in. And that's for a couple of reasons. First, only the company really knows what the right next step is for their digital journey. So we're challenging them to think about it and we're inviting them to pitch it to us and if it's compelling, then, then we'll make it a bit easier for them to take the step. And then secondly, you know, this is, we can get into the mechanics of this grant, but it, it's a reimbursement basic grant. And, and while it's a piece of equipment that they're ultimately going to get reimbursed for, it's not necessarily the equipment that qualifies them for the grant. Right, it's how they intend to leverage the tech features of that equipment to transform what they're presently doing into what they think they need to be doing headed into the future. So we're, we're looking for smart manufacturing. That's, um, I, I often get asked, what's the difference between smart manufacturing versus advanced? And the difference between smart and advanced, it's sometimes tricky to discern. And there's admittedly some overlap, but I tell people, you know, if, if the thing you want to invest in, if it simply, operates faster, better, cheaper, with slightly less labor involved, and it affects only the workflow of the particular work cell that you're putting it in, then it's probably more advanced than smart. Uh, but if it integrates these digital technologies and you show us how you're going to leverage data from it in a way that several other functions in your operation, beyond just that work cell you're putting the equipment in, but several other things are going to be improved and impacted, then, then it sounds like smart tech to me. Okay. So uh, are there are there elements there where, you know, you have the, the original equipment manufacturers, you have the big guys, how much of, you know, again, they're obviously leading some of this, how much of that 4.0 technology is being pushed down then to their supply chain, to, to the companies that are sort of further down the, the food supply? Oh, you're talking about the small manufacturers who supply yeah. their, their bigger well, customers? Well, yeah. So, I mean, so I guess my question is, uh, you know, is, is a lot of this adoption uh, being pushed by the, the large companies uh, sort of pushing that down through their supply chain uh, as being sort of more responsive to, to their technologies yeah. and what they're doing. 
No, that that's a that's an interesting question, and it, it, it's it's you use the term push. I think it's more of a pull. And unfortunately, I don't think it's quite so clear because the because this 4.0 stuff is new enough that the bigger companies they're still trying to figure it out. That they'll all tell you they're early. They're almost they act like they're embarrassed of how far they've gotten, but they have teams of people working on it, right? And so they're out moving moving out there. And so I, I like to compare it to. It's probably only been five or 10 years since the big companies started to do ERP systems and they told their suppliers, you better install an ERP system to keep up with us and continue to qualify as a supplier. And every year it gets a little harder for these smaller companies to continue to qualify and the standards go up. Well, I'm worried and I think the state of Indiana is worried that some of the bigger companies may push off into this 4.0 range and just get miles ahead and it's, and it's, harder for the small companies to catch up. And they didn't even realize that they missed the starting gun because the the, com- the the bigger companies that are their customers, since they're still trying to figure it out, they haven't been very clear in the supply chain about here are the technologies we need you to invest in. Okay, so go back for a minute, ERP? Yeah, uh, enterprise resource planning. So usually that that's, you know, a lot of folks will, will, you know, how you're doing your purchasing and your ordering and your inventory management. And so when you get an order from a customer, you know, a lot of times you'll share data through your collective ERP system so that they can, they can guess when, when you're likely to actually deliver on the product that, that they've ordered from you. Okay. All right. So let's be, let's go back to sort of the nuts and bolts here. So a company, uh, and again, we're hoping that that this podcast then goes out to our local economic developers as they are making their their retention and expansion calls to, to their local companies. So uh, how does that local company go through about the process of applying for one of these grants? Yeah. So the 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 process for application it's 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 pretty easy. You know, you go to the Connexus Indiana website which is, you know, www.connexusindiana.com, C-O-N-E-X-U-S, indiana.com. There's a smart manufacturing webpage you'll find pretty easily with a manufacturing readiness grant subpage. And you could just Google search for that. If manufacturing readiness grant, you'll find it. But you'll notice there's a button that takes you into the application itself. And that's how you're ultimately going to submit an application. The other button right next to it allows you to download a sample uh, to preview the questions so you can start to collect information before applying. Uh, There's also a very detailed FAQ available that I encourage your listeners to dig into in terms of uh, what to expect after they actually submit an application, uh, received applications, they undergo pretty rigorous peer review and recommendation process by a committee of manufacturing professionals. So we've got a committee that, that I run, we call them Smart Manufacturing Fellows. They serve as volunteers and they represent diversity in every way. We've got uh, geography, sector, size. We've got some perspective from industry, academia, private equity that's that's represented. They're all used to looking at capital technology-based projects in plants. Uh, and our work kind of culminates ultimately with funding recommendations to the IEDC. And the IEDC retains final decision-making authority, but once decisions are made, 
Conexus, I, I communicate to the applicants and the whole process can take a couple months, a few months. And I think you've talked about this a little bit. You've touched upon it, but but it's a, it's a reimbursement. You said, uh, what are the the minimums and maximums then that a project sure. might encompass? Yeah. So there, there's no minimum project size. Uh, I think there's been some grants that have been down in a few thousand dollar range. Um, the, the, so there's no minimum. The maximum grant size is two hundred thousand dollars per company. And the maximum match is 50%. So it takes at least a $400,000 project to secure a full $200,000 grant. Higher match ratios are preferred. We like to see nice big project investments and, and partial awards are, are possible. So we tell people to keep that in mind. Um, these are not insignificant amounts. Uh, you know, when if you're a one or 200 person company, like we were just talking about, uh, you know, if you're able to get 50, 100, possibly even $200,000 to support a big investment that you've been wrestling with and you're trying to justify, uh, because it might be a really, really big deal and it's possibly a stretch for you, right? Uh, then this grant is hopefully that extra support that tips them towards making the investment rather than continuing to put it off. So, you know, what kind of assistance for, for a small company in particular, maybe, uh, but what kind of assistance is available for companies that are that are working through the application and they have questions? Um, and then what kind of assistance are there, is there in the state uh, for companies who are trying to figure out, you know, what is my 4.0, my industry 4.0 footprint? What should I be looking at? Let's start with what kind of assistance is there if people have questions as they're working through the application process. So let's start with that. Okay, sure. So um, I, I cannot emphasize enough the, the need to look at that FAQ on the website. I We recently updated it with very detailed answers to actual questions that, that we've been fielding for the last year. Um, so I and the Conexus Indiana team, always available to field questions, offer advice, and welcome emails and phone calls. I personally coach multiple companies a day on this program, trying to answer their questions. So that, that, that's the first thing is, is send me a note. I may not be able to pick up a random phone call at the moment, but the uh, send me a note and I'll get back to you. Another resource you should reach out to are the regional directors for the IEDC. They're all up to speed on this program. They're prepared to speak to it. If you reach out to the director in your region, uh, if, if they think that you have an opportunity that has potential, they're, they're likely to introduce you to me. Um, and then we've started to see, you know, some regions are fortunate enough to have some specialized expertise available through local universities. Um, for example, you know, we've seen several applications that have benefited from groups like uh, Purdue NMAC is one. Uh, so the Manufacturing Competitiveness Center there in West Lafayette and also Notre Dame Industry Labs up north, uh, they're working in their whole region, uh, working directly with manufacturers. I've seen them actually help the manufacturers kind of think about the details of the project, the project plan, and then uh, maybe even offer some advice on, on how to put together the application. Okay, so that was the second part of my question was, and you answered it, you anticipated that if companies have questions, I mean, they're, they're, they're trying to understand what is their 
sort of appropriate industry 4.0 footprint? What sure. should I be considering? Uh, Purdue obviously sprung to mind. I would not have thought about uh, that uh, Notre Dame would have a footprint that could help with all of that. Are there other uh, other resources that that would come to mind? Obviously, I assume there may be some private entities out there that are doing a level of consulting. Yeah, I think, you know, since it is a, a capital investment, um, tech-based capital investment, some of the qualifying equipment, the, the tech integrators, right, the folks that are dealing in this equipment, uh, they're aware of this grant program, and and so I think they're starting to help some of the companies. So if 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 you're a manufacturer and you, and you're thinking about something, if you're especially re- using somebody local, which is also a benefit of this, right? I mean, we want to see that, right? If you're if you're going to buy something, buy it from a local dealer, a local tech integrator. They're they're not only is that likely to keep some dollars in Indiana, but they're going to be familiar with this program and might help you out a bit. Okay. All right. And I think you've also kind of alluded to this, that the uh, uh, regional directors for IEDC can be a critical link. Uh, but again, our, our purpose in wanting you to do this podcast is we want to alert the economic development directors around the state to this potential as they're visiting with their local um, members or their local manufacturers. Um, how can we best mobilize them to help you get the word out about this program? Yeah, I, I mean, what well, you, you essentially said it there, you know, first and foremost, they can help spread the word, right? The, 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 the target demographic, it is the small manufacturers, and that's the demographic that's, I, I think they're, they're not always in the loop on programs like this, and they don't have dedicated staff who have incentive or grant opportunities in their portfolio of duties, right? Like some of the larger companies. So sometimes it's just a matter of social socializing the opportunity in the networking circles, right? For general awareness purpose. Uh, I can tell you anecdotally, I've seen that work. Uh, For example, I spoke to some economic development leaders up in the Fort Wayne area earlier this summer. And sure enough, I saw a big uptick in applications from that region in the next few weeks, right? And then I did a similar thing with leaders from Elkhart a month later and like clockwork, a tremendous number of applications came in from Elkhart. They streamed in two weeks later. So that's a big deal. So consider this an offer for me to do the same thing for other communities. You know, if there's local leaders that wanna assemble a group, uh, manufacturing, you know, folks, I'll come speak to them either in person or virtually, you know, we can do some type of readiness grant uh, town hall, so to speak, if that's helpful. Um, I, I do believe that we want to spread the word out here because, you know, one of the, one of the most important keys to this program, I think, is that it's statewide impact, right? It's, it's, we've made grant awards so far. There, there, there's some that haven't been announced yet because they're still working through contracting, but we've made awards in 50 of the 92 counties so far. So it's not concentrated in any one area. And that's a big deal, right? The governor, the legislature, the IEDC, and of course, Conexus, we want to see impact in all 92 counties if we can. And the only way we can we can do that is to work with the regional folks who know the manufacturing operations in their local communities. So that's the first thing is, is getting the word out. Uh, secondly, you know, you encourage the manufacturers in your region to 
spend some time on the application. You, you know, maybe even offer to review a draft of it before they submit it. You know, uh, this isn't just easy, free money. And I don't want anybody to think that, we, you know, we take this very seriously. The folks that are reviewing this, we're reviewing the applications closely. There's multiple reviewers on each application and we're discussing them in a committee. And so I always say, give, give us the plenty, give us plenty of details. So we have a clear picture of what you want to do, why you want to do it, how the impact, the outcomes, your opinion, why you think it's innovative for your operation, differentiating as compared to your competitors. And, but, but I don't want to make it sound like this application, it's super challenging thing to complete. It's just basic project analysis, right? We're, we're not expecting you to be grant writers. We're not, but we are expecting the level of detail that you might need to present to convince a management team to invest in a project. So, you know, hasty applications, sparse detail, vague general statements, we get some of that and it just doesn't perform well under a peer review process. So I tell people, take your time to give us the best application you can as soon as you can, but don't rush a poor application. Every indication is that the program is going to be around for a considerable amount of time with plenty of funding. Well, that's that's great to understand, uh, and I think advice uh, well offered. Uh, as we close, uh, what haven't we talked about that you feel that we need to cover uh, in talking about the manufacturing readiness grants? Probably a couple points. One specifically, maybe back on the the the, the details of how it works. It, it is a it is a reimbursement grant that requires a match. Uh, the way the transaction works is that it's industry dollars first, right? So if an applicant is fortunate enough to be notified of an award, uh, then I'm going to introduce them to another partner of ours called Next Level Manufacturing Institute. Next Level handles the incentive agreement, the transaction on behalf of the state. Uh, so the applicant signs a simple agreement, which, which is, it's pretty basic. And there's really not a lot of strings attached to this incentive. There's no reporting requirements or anything like that. Uh, and so once they're authorized to do the project, they go off and they execute it. They use their own funds. And when they have receipts in alignment with their project application, they turn in the receipts to Next Level Manufacturing Institute and they get reimbursed for 50%. So that's a specific thing. Uh, another expectation we have is that if you go after this grant, you know, we'd really like you to participate in a case study after you've done the project at the conclusion of it, because what we'll do is we'll come back with a case study, we'll positively highlight you and the project as a way to share learnings, best practices on Industry 4.0. The whole point is to spur greater adoption across the state on this kind of stuff. We want to see companies push themselves to do something different, right? This is not an incentive to just do more of the same. Uh, if you're using tech to stretch beyond your comfort zone, then you're on the right track. If you're simply trying to add more capacity, make incremental improvements to what you already do, or you're just going to upgrade some old equipment to some newer stuff, might be more of a, a long shot to get it going. Um, with that, I'll just say that we've, we've covered a lot of material. Um, and it, as I close, I just want to, you know, that's as close as I can give your listeners give them the answers to the test, Lee. Uh, you know, it's it's not a hard test if you're leaning into Industry 4.0, uh, but if you're not, 
then the application should be the least of your worry. You know, I, I firmly believe and our partners at the IEDC believe and uh, that the future is very bright for manufacturers in Indiana, for the ones who are stepping up to embrace the advantages of, that these technologies can offer. So as we close, once again, um, how, what's the website where they can find more details? Yeah, it's connexusindiana.com. So C-O-N-E-X-U-S indiana.com. Okay, very good. Mitch, I want to thank you very much for spending time today. Uh, I've been talking to Mitch Landis, the Vice President of Innovation and Digital Transformation at Connexus Indiana. And we've been talking about the Manufacturing Readiness Grants. Mitch, thanks for your time. Thanks so much for having me, Lee. You've been listening to IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for the members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. This is Lee Llewellyn, and whether it sounds like it or not, I really am trying to be a lot less annoying on these podcasts. Uh, This podcast is copyright 2021, all rights reserved, not sure anybody else would want them.